The robots are calling. Can somebody tell them we're not home ever? Professor Justin Hurwitz from the University of Nebraska College of Law is here to discuss robocalls and how we can stop them. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. We're jumping right into things for 2021. We've got a great conversation about the dreaded robocall. Our guest today is Professor Justin Hurwitz. Welcome to the show, Professor. It's great to be here and happy holidays. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, so it, uh, 2020 was quite a year and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, we're looking forward to positive progress in 2021. Hopefully everybody gets back to a normal life. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, obviously today's show is about robocalls. My my producer, Molly, and I were discussing robocalls just kind of uh, being the bane of our existence. And so I shared with her commiserated uh, my experience with it's been this chronic, will never go away robocall about some type of uh, extended warranty for my car. It's been going on for years and they keep telling me it's uh, the extended warranty is going to expire. It's been expired for years, but they keep calling me. So anyway, I know that there's, uh, you know, some legal rubric here. I know the uh, Telephone Consumer Protection Act and and I'm not an expert professor. And so just wanted to, in terms of legal terms, you know, well, how do we define a robocall? And uh, I think the uh, the technology part's interesting. Where do these calls actually come from? I know there's some foreign VIPs. Yeah. So first, I, I have to start even more than usual by saying, don't take anything I say here as legal advice. And this is even more so than usual because the the TCPA and the robocall regulations, they are complex and nuanced, uh, labyrinthine and there are a significant statutory damages, um, $500 per call, $1,500 per call if they're willful, that uh, back these up. This is a complex area with really stiff penalties. But what, what are robocalls and where do they come from? So robocalls might refer to one of two things, either how the call is dialed or the caller's voice on the call. And th- this is an important distinction. The way that robocalls are dialed this is the, the first distinction and really what got people really upset in the 1980s into the early 1990s about robocalls. You can use what are known as ATDSs or automatic telephone dialing systems to place these calls. And what they would do uh, in the uh, 1980s and 90s is they would just randomly dial numbers or they'd sequentially dial a whole block of numbers. So that's kind of the robocalling, a robot, a machine making the calls. Then the other thing that can trigger robocalls is the voice. If you're using uh, computer-generated, artificial, or pre-recorded voices, so you answer the call and there isn't a human on the other end, we can think of those as robocalls as well. It might be worth getting into a little uh, bit of the history here because we've started with the TCPA. This is the Telephone uh, Consumer Protection Act that was enacted in 1991. And it was really enacted to address a specific set of harms caused by these automatic dialing systems, which would block up lines. They would call cell phones, which back then cost tens of cents per minute to receive calls. So there were real uh, tangible harms associated with them. And frankly, the TCPA wasn't all that effective. The bigger thing most people are familiar with is the do not call list. And this is something that the Federal Trade Commission uh, created in uh, the early 2000s, 2003. And this basically ended the traditional robocall problem. So the TCPA, it's a statute. 
it's enacted by the Federal Communications Commission and enforced either through a private right of action, that $500 per call fine, or through the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And the FTC enforces the do not call list through its own enforcement actions, and there's no private right of action. And really, the do not call list ended most of the traditional robocall problem because the, the legitimate callers, the people who are actually trying to sell you stuff, they actually consult the do not call list and they stopped calling people whose phone numbers were on it, which pretty quickly became everyone. So deep breath, over the last 10 to 15 years or so, with the advent of really voice over IP, you uh, mentioned this uh, with the lead in, we've seen the rise of a new type of robocall, which are really illegitimate calls. These are scammers. These are folks who are frequently calling from overseas. You can't identify them. It's really hard to figure out who's actually making the call. And they're actually more often than not, not calling you to sell you something. They're calling you in order to get you into a web of scams, in order to trick people into interacting with them in some other way. So this is a much more complex set of problems. And I, I know I'm going on at length here, but the, the last uh, part of the history over the last five to 10 years or so, we've really seen a rise of text message cases, especially involving what we call reassigned numbers with cell phones. So companies trying to use text messages to deal with consumers. A lot of consumers, myself included, frankly, really like this way of getting uh, reminders uh, from companies much better than a phone call. But the real problem here is when I cancel my cell phone contract or get a new cell phone, the cell phone companies start recycling those phone numbers. So if I get a new phone number, there's a good chance that it's already been signed up for a bunch of caller lists. So I'm going to start getting other people's calls. And there's a hard question of do those violate the do not call list or the TCPA? Well, I definitely want to get into some of the technology because I understand that has some nuance, especially with a couple of cases that have come up this year. But uh, just real quick, and so this is where it gets a little confusing for me. Now, I know that some of these calls, and even though they may use the same you know, technical automation process to bring up you know, a call that will be preceded with, a, uh, with an artificial voice that gives you some options, there, there are some that are allowed as fair game, like charities, and there's other ones that are not. Can you just kind of walk us through real quickly the what's fair game? versus what's out of bounds. Yeah, so you'd think this would be easy, but it's not. It's a minefield. And it's actually gotten more complicated since this past summer when the Supreme Court decided um, the Barr case. And this case dealt with an exemption to the TCPA that allowed robocalls relating to debt collection for government-backed debt. And uh, the Supreme Court struck that down on First Amendment grounds, holding that that was a content-based uh, uh, restriction. And this has opened the door to a lot of confusion, a lot of concern about various categories of exceptions that are in uh, the, the TCPA. So it, it's really unclear what the exceptions are, but the, the basic rule is you can't use artificial and pre-recorded messages without prior consent for any phone calls unless there's a statutory or regulatory exception in there that can survive uh, First Amendment uh, strict scrutiny. And that's probably not many of them. And the even more restrictive rule is you can't use these automatic dialers uh, to call cell phones without prior express consent. So there are different rules for calling landlines and there are different uh, rules for calling cell phones. 
All right. I want to transition over to this new case. So this is the second of the big cases. Facebook versus, is it DeGuid, Professor? Uh, do good. Do good. Okay. Uh, it's Facebook versus do good. Of course, this is uh, Noah uh, do good's case here. I want to learn a little bit more about the facts, but basically, as I understand it, this guy was really mad about being contacted in an automated way from Facebook. It was showing up on his text messages. But can you walk us through some of the technical facts of that? Because the courts really, it seems like if there's going to be a decision on this, and as I understand it, the Supreme Court has not made its decision, it's going to turn on some technology facts here. So can you walk us through those? Oh, it's going to turn on technology and grammar. What more could you want in a case? <laughs> um, so back in 2014, uh, Noah Duguid, and I, I should say that's how uh, Chief Justice Roberts pronounces his name. Oh, we'll go with that then. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. I apologize to Noah um, if that is not actually how we pronounce his name. He started receiving security notices from Facebook via text message, and he thought that was a little curious because he wasn't a Facebook user. So he reached out to Facebook and said, hey, I'm not one of your users. Stop sending these messages. And he kept getting the messages. And I, I don't know on the back end why that is. I, I also do cybersecurity. I could certainly think, see Facebook's perspective being, oh, this is someone trying to compromise someone's account by getting us to reset their phone number. I don't know what's actually going on here. But regardless, he kept uh, receiving these text messages um, from Facebook. And he brings a lawsuit under the TCPA, which has this private right of action. He sued Facebook saying, hey, you are willfully sending these, these text messages. So will you please send me $1,500 per text message? That's the treble damages for the statutory damages that the TCPA allows. And we should say uh, text messages, the courts and the FCC have held countless phone calls for the purposes of uh, the TCPA. At this point, the procedural history gets a little tricky because there were ongoing First Amendment challenges to the TCPA as well, which means that the federal government got involved to defend the statute on constitutional grounds. The basic issue, however, in this case is merely one of statutory interpretation. And seriously, this is the kind of thing that it takes a true lawyer's lawyer to get excited about. If we go back to the definitions in the TCPA, cell phones cannot be called except with prior consent using an automated telephone dialing system, an ATDS. And that's defined as something that can store or produce telephone numbers, comma, using a random or sequential number generator. The entire question in this case is whether using a random or sequential number generator applies only to producing telephone numbers or also storing them. Because what Facebook and most companies using, especially these text message systems are doing, is they have a list of people, customers, points of contact that they want to reach out to, and their phone number. So they're using a system that pulls up the stored phone number associated with the user and calls that phone number. It's not producing those phone numbers or it's not storing them with a random or sequential number generator. So Basically, what Facebook is arguing is, hey, we were calling up a phone number that's in our database. That's not using an ATDS. So that doesn't trigger the TCPA. We're free to make as many phone calls and as many text messages to people that are in our database as we want, because there's some pre-existing business relationship there. Well, this is really getting into the nuance. I mean, this is really turning on some real technical differences here. And so this kind of gets back to the, the piece that you wrote in The Hill. You were, talking about, you were talking about our regulations being out of date with the current 
systems as set up for communication, uh, but you also kind of mentioned some marketing efforts. So, you know, I it's early because we don't have a decision yet from the Supreme Court, but, uh, you know, potentially, Professor, what do you think the significance of this case will be? Do you think this will cause some case-driven new law that will further complicate and muddy the waters? And do you think it will curtail marketing efforts? What do you think? So uh, I first, I, I should say, I expect that the Supreme Court very likely is going to uh, decide in favor of Facebook. I could be wrong about that, but I, I think that's the likely outcome here. What's the real impact of this? If that is uh, what happens in this case, effectively, all companies that are uh, using these sorts of systems to contact customers, primarily through text messages, but also for uh, making phone calls, they're going to be exempt from or just outside the scope of the TCPA. So if you're in a company's database, they're going to be free to call you. And that kind of sounds bad. I personally hate robocalls. I, I wish that they would end. But when you look at the history and the legacy of the TCPA, it's a bad statute. It's not worked. It's been incredibly ineffective. It, it wasn't until we got that do not call list through the FTC that we really ended the uh, our first generation of robocall problems. And uh, the bigger problem today are the scam calls. These are the voice over IP internet calls where we can't find who the caller is, and the TCPA doesn't do anything to prevent those. So really, the only legitimate companies that are caught in the net of the uh, TCPA nowadays are companies that are trying to reach their actual customers using an annoying technology. Well, Professor, let's close it out with some advice. And so uh, judging from what you're you're saying here, um, you know, I think I've experienced both of these. So when I got my my new or my existing cell phone, when it was new back uh, uh, several years ago, I would get these text messages that were clearly not for me, like right away. And, there's, and I didn't really have a chance to give anyone my new number. And, uh, you know, also get that extended warranty call all the time. And every time it comes, it comes from a different number, different area code. Uh, one thing, it's consistent. It's like uh, two voices. It's like the same kind of robotic female voice and the same robotic male voice. But, you know, obviously uh, not necessarily legal advice, but, uh, you know, because you're close to this space, what practical advice can you give people that had a pre-existing number that signed up for all of these services? They don't want the communications. And you did mention those do not call lists, but uh, how can those help? us out today. What advice do you have? So the positive advice that I'll give you is make sure you're on the do not call list and go to the Federal Trade Commission's webpage. You can easily Google this and find information that they have there on what you can do, how you can report calls. Same thing with the FCC, but even I've got friends of both agencies and I'll, I'll make some enemies and say the FTCs or pick favorites, say the FTC's webpage is more useful advice for consumers here. Are you about to start a war now? I know, I'm making real trouble. That said, the reality with most of these calls, there's not that much that you can do, especially those scam sort of calls or those wrong number uh, sort of calls. Generally, the reassigned numbers you'll be able to opt out of through some pre-existing system. And if you can't, it's probably a scam. That said, I, I actually am pretty optimistic about the state of robocalls moving forward because there are technological solutions that are being developed and really, that's where the solution is. We're no longer in the 20th century. I know, big surprise. And the one-size-fits-all, don't-make-these-calls rule doesn't really work because a lot of these calls are actually really useful. I love getting uh, text reminders from my pharmacy about when I can pick up prescriptions. I think that's awesome. There have been a lot of uh, lawsuits, however, 
under the TCPA against pharmacies sending these messages because people find them annoying. It's a hard system. It's a hard situation because some consumers really like these calls, these messages. Some companies are doing really innovative consumer respecting ways of sending them. Others aren't. But there are technological solutions. So the big one is what's called stir shaken. This is, and this is going to be technological gobbledygook, I expect for uh, many people, but this is a cryptographically signed call authentication system. What does that mean? It means that people making calls can't forge their caller ID information. Congress and the FCC and industry have been working on this for several years. It's actually getting ready to be deployed. Some carriers have started to deploy it. And what this basically means is you will know who's calling you. You will know who's sending you that message, which means all those scams will start, I think, to actually go away. So you'll actually get fewer calls and be able to trust the ones that you call even more. And there are other technologies that companies can be and should be starting to develop and deploy. So instead of getting a call out of the blue, uh, you might get a text message that gives you a little bit of information first, and then you can click a button to call back if you want to actually talk to the person who sent you the message. Or same thing, just one button opt out of text messages when you're receiving them. So things that will allow companies to continue to innovate in how they communicate with customers who do want to receive these messages without imposing too great a burden on those who don't want to and making it easy to opt out and fundamentally giving consumers more control over which messages they do receive and who they get them from. Well, Professor, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you listeners for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. It's really good for the show. And I have some great hat tips to make here. So I want to thank the FCC, The Hill, Oye, SCOTUS blog, U.S. Supreme Court, Wikipedia had some great online resources. I'll put those in our show notes so you can out there, everybody, read for yourself if you want to. And lastly, I want to thank my team, our producer, Molly McDonough, and our LTN crew for their continued dedication, especially helping to schedule through the holidays. It was a big, big help. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Cluddy. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.